Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Man, uh, doesn't that make you hungry looking at that uh, sermon bumper there? Like so for some fish and chips? Well, the next several weeks leading into Easter, what we're going to do is look at the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus fed them with fish and loaves, fish and chips. Get it? Um, it's not really chips, but it could be chips, right? Uh, with that. And we're going to get a different account from each gospel writer. I'm so excited about this series. And today, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. Matthew 14, verse 13. Well, um, after basketball camp one day, this is over winter break, I went and talked to my son in debrief. I always ask him, you know, we, we do, what, what was your high part and what was your low part? And so his high part was that he scored points and that his team won in scrimmage. I was like, yeah, that's my boy there. Yep, it's all about winning. Um, but the low part, uh, well, actually, he, he created middle part too. So he has to have high, middle, and low. And middle's kind of a good thing. He said the pizza was tasty there. It was Papa John's. He liked that, uh, which I, I need to work with him on his pizza taste because that's, you know, he doesn't understand what good Italian is, not Papa John's, right? If you love Papa John's, I'm sorry if I just offended you. Uh, but his low part was that while he was in line for one of the drills, there were some kids picking on him. And I said, oh, buddy, I'm sorry. I mean, that's like one of the first times I've heard that like older kids picking on my son. And I, and I was like, well, what did you do? He said, well, I just moved down the line a couple places, got away from them. And I thought, well, that's great because if that would have been me, I'd have punched those kids in the face. I'd, I'd, I'd have been in the principal's office if it had been school or I'd been kicked out of camp. But he moved down. And I said, well, buddy, you know what hurting people do, don't you? He said, hurting people hurt people. That's a, a saying we have um, between me and him. And so what happens is he knows that anytime he's hurt by someone, they're hurting. And so I got to think about this message today. Uh, what if, you know, our culture teaches us that we should hurt others when we're hurting, that we should lash out. But what if Christ shows us a better way? What if Christ shows us a different way? What if hurting people learn to treat people differently than what our culture and our emotions tell us to do. As a matter of fact, Jesus uh, shows us a time in his life when he was hurting. So the feeding the 5,000 here is the only miracle that occurs in all four Gospels, uh, besides the resurrection, of course, but the only miracle Jesus performed. And in Matthew's Gospel and some of the other writers, they show you the context of this. And this is so important because you can't separate the feeding of the 5,000 from what was happening in the life of Jesus at that time. And here's what was happening. Number one, Herod was the ruler. And Herod had just beheaded John the Baptist. Number two, Herod thought that Jesus, he heard about Jesus, the miracles, Jesus' ministry was taken off. They were working nonstop. And Herod thought that John the Baptist had been resurrected in the form of Jesus. And so he's worried. He's scared. But when you look at Jesus and you jump into verse 13, before you get into that, it's going to say that when he heard the news, what news did Jesus hear? Jesus heard the news that his best friend, his close ministry partner, most scholars believe his cousin, John, had been beheaded. Now remember how important John is and was to Jesus. He baptized Jesus. He's the one who said, behold, here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In Jesus' ministry, John gave him some of his first disciples. And so John and Jesus were very close. And I think sometimes when we read the Gospels, we read about Jesus, we divorce the fact that he was 100% human and 100% God. And so as we look at this, I want to draw your attention today to what Jesus was going through, how he was hurting, and what he did for others. So verse 13 says this in Matthew 14. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Very important there. Some scholars think that maybe he went to be alone because he knew Herod was coming after him. 
Others say this, that maybe he didn't know that. He went away because he was hurting. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Verse 14, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he, if this was me, it says he had compassion. If I was tired, my best friend just got killed, and I was going to be alone, and I saw a huge crowd. If I saw y'all all showing up, needing something, this is not the emotion that I would have. It was like when Kevin saw the huge crowds, he was frustrated. <laughs> when Kevin saw the huge crowds, he was like, oh, Lord, they got to go somewhere else. I ain't got time for this. But look what Jesus does. Look at this. It says here that when he saw the huge crowds, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That word compassion is going to be key today for today's message. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Verse 18, Jesus said, bring them here. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. And about 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Most scholars say that's around 20,000 people were fed that day. And each writer wanted us to know how important that miracle was. Matthew was there that day. So he, he saw this. He experienced this. He, he picked up the baskets of leftovers and saw it. And what I want to show you today is the humanity of Jesus in this situation. Well, again, we know that Jesus was 100% God, but also, don't forget, 100% man. He had a full range of emotions in his life. He hurt if you cut him. He had, you know, grieved whenever, he grieved whenever Lazarus died. The Bible says Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. And Jesus got angry at the temple when there was people selling money in the temple, and he got angry and turned the tables over. And Jesus was delighted when little children were brought to him. So we see in this passage, Jesus wanted to be alone. He wanted to get away. It hurt for the fact that he lost his best friend. And in his moment of hurting, in his moment of maybe confusion because of how important John the Baptist was to this movement, to prepare the way for Messiah, in his place of hurting, Jesus did something that we don't do. He had compassion. And compassion is this, it's not feeling sorry for someone. Compassion in the Greek there, that word there means bowels. That's literally what the Greek means. That means this, that the deepest part, the most inmost part of you is moved to action where you have mercy. That's how Charles Spurgeon put it. And I think one of the things that we lack, especially when we're hurting, is not just empathy, it's not feeling sorry, but compassion. And I want to submit to you today that when you're hurting, there can be a different script. When you're hurting, they, they, there can be a better way for you. And it's this here. I want you to write that, this down in your notes. We hurt so we can help. We hurt so we can help. This is very important because so many times when we hurt, we're not looking to help others. When we hurt, we're looking to isolate. That's what Jesus wanted to do, right? He was human. But then he turned, he said, I'm going to have compassion upon those who are in need and those who are 
hurting. See, when you're going through a season of hurt and pain, the problem is this. You can't ask the question, why me, why now, why am I going through this? That's going to lead you to the wrong destination. If you ever start asking the why question, you're going to feel helpless. Like, I have no control, there's nothing I can do, and I'm a victim. When you're hurting, you've got to ask the question, how? God, how can I leverage this for your glory? If you're going to help those, when you're hurting, you've got to ask the question, how do I leverage this for your glory? Because as a follower of Jesus, there's nothing that gets to your life that doesn't pass through the hands of our Heavenly Father. And if you will change the perspective of what you have, instead of being a victim, saying, God, you've allowed this, therefore in this season, I want to know how I can use this for your glory and for the advancement of the kingdom. When you're hurting, you can actually help someone just like Jesus did. But here's what you have to understand. It takes compassion. And compassion just doesn't come naturally to us. Now, some of you are in, are, are have empathy, right? I don't. I'm not a natural, I call empath. I'm just not that person, right? It's just like, oh, you know? I'm, I'm the guy that's like, hey, just get over it. Stop crying, move on. So that's why I would make a terrible counselor. It's like, I can fix you in, in 10 minutes. Sit down with me, and I'll tell you to stop. Matter of fact, if you've never YouTubed and seen Bob Newhart, stop it. You need to do YouTube, watch that when he counsels somebody. That would have been me, right? But here's how God works. You have to understand this. God helps create compassion for those who are experiencing pain by allowing us to go through seasons of pain. God helps create compassion for those who are going through pain by having us go through seasons of pain. It's called identification. See, that's what Jesus did for us. Our, our Heavenly Father, what separates Christianity from every other religion is that God came to be one of us. Remember that song, What If God Was One of Us? I'm like, yeah, lady, he was. His name was Jesus. Like, like he, Jesus was incarnate. And why was Jesus incarnate? Why did the incarnation, why was it so important so he, we could have identification? That's why the writer of Hebrews says this, that he's able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. For he was tempted in every way, yet never sinned. Jesus has experienced everything that you can experience. Even if you don't see it in the Gospels, on the cross, he took the full wrath of God, the sin of humanity. Jesus can look at us in the eyes and say, I know what you're going through, and I went through it too. And that's what he wants us to do for others as well. It's called sharing in sufferings. And any time that you're saying, God, I want compassion for others, God will send you through seasons of pain so you can identify you know, I was talking um, the other day to, to Alan here um, about his uh, knee surgery. And he was sharing something with me, and it hit me. He said he had another friend, a guy that went through the same surgery, and they were talking about how they couldn't sleep at night or what the progress of this and all that. And I was, I was like on the outside looking in, listening to this conversation. I've never had knee surgery. I have no idea how it feels. What I heard him say was, I have somebody that I can identify with who's been through what I'm going through, and they understand. And until you've been through something, you never understand what somebody else is going through. Jesus has gone through everything that you are going through. He understands, and he wants to meet you in that. And here's what you have to understand, too, is that God wants to use you to help others in the same situation. But here's the problem, guys. If we miss this, and I've said it this way before, I want to say it again. If we miss this, we'll think we're just supposed to get through our season of pain 
instead of getting our season of pain through us. The big difference, some of us just want to get through the season of pain instead of getting the season of pain through us. Because that's how God shapes us and God molds us. Do you understand that pain, and this is so important, pain is not the problem in life. Pain is not the problem. Pain is merely an indicator there is a problem. When you go see the doctor and you sit down with a doctor and you say, Doc, it hurts here, he's just not trying to get rid of the pain. He just give you, you know, pills. You can get rid of the pain. But, but he wants to know where is the deeper problem. Why does this hurt you so much? Why does this bother you so much? Why do you keep coming back to the same cycles over and over again? And that's what the great physician, our Heavenly Father, wants to do. He wants to understand when you go through a season of pain, if you don't get the season of pain through you, stop trying to get rid of the pain. Start looking and saying, why does this hurt so bad? Why is this such a problem? And begin to, and maybe even see a therapist. That's what I've done. To help you understand those issues of your life. Why do you lash out at others? Why do you continue to do this? Because the pain that you're experiencing is not meant to just be prayed away. It's meant to be processed so God can use you on a deeper level. Why? So you have compassion and you help other people. It's kind of like this. Okay, so, so with lifting weights, um, I didn't understand this when I first started. And it drives me crazy when, when I'm in the gym now. And the reason is because I know that people may hurt themselves. And they're not really doing, you know, getting good work in. There's this one guy, and he's a really nice guy. And we were talking one day, and he's like, man, you know, talking about my, my lifting program. And I see him. He said, he said he's always hurt. He said, I'm always hurting. I said, I watched him when he's lifting weights. And here's what he was doing, doing curls. He's going. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's just like slinging the body. I'm like, man, bro, you going. And then doing the overhead, he's like. I mean, I mean, just. And I told him, I said, you're going to keep getting hurt the whole time doing this. I said, you're trying to just get through your workout. You're not getting the workout through you. See, there's something that, that trainers will tell you called a mind-muscle connection with the muscle you're trying to work. Where you've got through in an eccentric and co-centric way, work that muscle all the way through, slow and controlled. You don't use force to go back. The same thing is true when you go through pain. You got to go to create a mind-muscle connection where you're getting, th you're understanding what that pain, there's pain there. Yeah, I hurt, but I want God to show me, to God to help me, to show me what the real problem is in my life because I want to be able to fully develop what I'm supposed to develop and be all that God's called me to be. But if you're always just asking God to pray away the pain of your soul and pray away the problems of life, you'll never develop that in your life. You'll never get to the place that God begins to process you so then you can help other people. Because can I tell you, that's what ministry is. Ministry is when you've gone through pain and you sit down with someone and say, I know how you feel, man. And there's this identification when you're hurting, you begin to help others. And so now what we're going to do is turn this from you and focus on you to what Jesus did. He began to help others. So how do you do that? Write this down in your notes here. Let your comfort from God lead to compassion to others. When God comforts you and meets you in your trials, that should then turn and be compassion for other people. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote this, this is so important. When he started off in ministry, many scholars believe he wrote Galatians, was his first book. And Galatians, he's very, he's very like boastful. He's like, I'm an apostle called of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He's like, come at me, bro. I'm an apostle. That's what he's coming at. 
And then you read 2 Corinthians, something happened to Paul. Something happened to him. And here's what we do know. He had a vision one night of a man in Macedonia waving his hand, saying, come, help. And Paul gathers the team together and says, boys, I had a vision last night. And there's this guy in Macedonia, and he's saying, we've got to go help. And the team's like, let's go, Paul. Let's load up and go. If you read the book of Acts, when Paul went there, he never made it to Macedonia, number one, because he got his tail kicked in every place he went. He was rejected, and he had the worst run of ministry he had ever had. And the church at Corinth, he had wrote the first letter to him, and they were a messed up church, and they didn't get any better. He had to write a second letter to him, two of the longest letters in the whole New Testament. Paul is at a different place in his life than he was when he first started ministry. This is several years later through going through this pain. And look what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty normal for Paul to say that. He says that all the time. But what he says now, he never says again and had never said before. He says, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. He never used that name for God except for right here in this, in this passage. He says, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Why does God comfort us? And Paul shows us why. And Paul knew because he had just been through troubles. So that in order to, the purpose of, we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. What you have to understand here, Paul uses the word comfort five times in three verses. He had never done that before because Paul had went through a season where he got his tail kicked and he was hurting. And now he says, I understand why I've been through this, so why? So then now I can help other people. So now I can identify with other people. And that's so important for us to understand because if you don't understand why God wants to comfort you, you'll think he just wants to take away your pain, make you feel better, and get through it. But God comforts you. He meets you. Incarnation meets you in your troubles. Why? So that you can comfort God with the same comfort that he comforted you with. You can comfort other people. You can meet them in their distress. You know, I sat with my uh, counselor, and one of our last sessions I had several months ago, he asked me a question. And many of you guys know my story of going through divorce. He said, when you stand in front of, in front of the congregation, he says, how are you going to feel? I said, man, I'm going to feel like I'm just like I'm, I'm not, I'm a failure. I'm, I'm not a good leader. And I went through all these reasons why. I said, I'm going to feel like I'm just an imposter. I'm being totally open to you guys. It's just me sitting on a couch talking to my counselor, right? And he said, Kevin, he said, you're going to be incarnational. He said, you will be now more relatable to people than you ever have before because now you can identify with people who've been through it. He said, now they can identify with you. He said, for so many times, he says, people try to paint themselves as people in an ivory tower, who they got it all together, they got everything right. He said, and they look at preachers as someone who they can listen to, but they can't identify with. He says, now what you've done is you're at a place in your life through pain that people can now identify with you on a level they never have before. And he changed my whole perspective of that. So I want to encourage you. Some of you think the pain that you've gone through the disappointment you've gone through, the things that you've suffered, you think that that's hurt you. But can I tell you, God's going to use that very thing in somebody else's life to minister to them and to help them, to identify with them, and they're going to be able, watch this, and they're going to be able 
to find Christ through it. I was in the gym one day, and, and I, don't, I don't tell people I'm a pastor. There's this one guy who walks around, and he says, hey, pastor. I'm like, yo, man, my name's Kevin. I ain't pastor. You know, like he just blurts it everywhere. And uh, one day I was, I was in the locker room, and I was talking to a guy there that I'd just been, you know, built a relationship with. He's a very vulgar individual. Like nobody really wants to talk to him because he's, he's so uncomfortable talking to. I can't even tell you the things he says. I can't even allude to him from a pulpit. It's bad. And he's just boisterous, and he's just like, you're like, oh, <laughs> the jokes. He t- I mean, it's bad, y'all. And I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> he has no clue. He still has no clue I'm a pastor, right? Um, and the other day we were talking, and he's been through a few divorces and been through things, and he's going through a really tough time in his, his marriage. And he said, man, he said, dude, you're, do I, why are you always so upbeat, man? He said, like, this doesn't make sense. He says, this is crazy. He says, I've never felt like this in my life. Like, and then, like, you're going through all this stuff. He said, you feel, he says, how are you doing that? He says, man, I want to spend time with you. He said, I like your energy, man. He says, I don't know what it is, but I want what you have. And, and I said to him, I said, man, I said, son, I said, that's my faith in Christ. I said, man, Christ has done this for me. He said, yeah, I've tried church. I said, it ain't church, man. I said, it's Christ. I said, and when you meet Christ and you spend time with Christ, I said, this is what Christ can do for you. And out of that hurt and that pain, I'm able to identify with someone who's the most vulgar guy in the gym that nobody else wants to talk to. I'm telling you, I don't know who you are in here today. I don't know why you're beating yourself up, but God is going to use the very thing you're going through that you're ashamed of to minister to other people in an incarnational way. So how do you do that? How do you minister to others in an incarnational way? Here's how. There are three things for you here. Number one is this. Here's what Jesus did. Be present. Be present with people who are going through it. When somebody's going through something that's very tumultuous, be present with them. Here's what Jesus did in verse 18. He said, bring them here. You know, Jesus could have done any miracle anytime he wanted to and never had to touch anybody. He didn't have to do the miracle of the 5,000 with them. He could have just said, give them bread and loaves. Keep them at a distance. He brought the people to him. You know, um, he, he prayed for the centurion's daughter, and she was healed. He never touched her. But you know why Jesus chose to lay hands and touch people? Not because there's some special, you know, crazy cool thing when you do that. It's because he wanted them to know, because in, his Jew, in the Jewish religious system, you were an outcast. You couldn't go to synagogue if you had a disease or sickness. And Jesus wanted them to know, you matter to our Heavenly Father. That's why he did that. And in this situation, he said, bring them to me bring them here. When you're with somebody who's hurting, just be present with them. Just be with them. You don't have to have all the answers. A lot of times when they're hurting, they're going to lash out, they're going to say things, they're going to have questions. And you, you can just say, hey, look, I don't know why. And when I had a friend who lost their two-year-old suddenly, overnight, just died in his sleep. Most horrific, tragic thing I'd ever walked with someone through. And he's not a believer and he had all these questions. And I, I don't know why. I'm going to tell you, as a pastor, I don't have an answer for him. And I said, hey, man, I, don't, I wish I had answers for you. I said, but I can be here for you. I talked to a friend last week through text, and he's just going off on me about all the stuff that he's facing. He's depressed. And I said, look, man, I wish I, had, I wish I had answers for you, but I can be with you through this. Be present. That's what Jesus did. The second thing to do is this, be comfortable. I know it sounds crazy, but when you're with someone, it is uncomfortable when they're hurting. But look what Jesus did. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Have a seat, guys. Relax. Just, just sit down. When somebody's going through something, 
Um, I don't know about you, but I get really uncomfortable when people cry around me. Like, I don't know how they had a hug. I'm like, don't know what to do. I'm trying to <laughs> tissue. I mean, I don't, I'm, really, yeah, I'm just not, you know, again, I don't know what to do. Here's what I've learned. Just, just be comfortable with them being uncomfortable, with them having needs. Sit down with them. Be comfortable with them. Um, the guy at the gym, my friend, I'm just comfortable with him. I let him just, you know, say all that crazy stuff, and I'm sitting there just listening. You know? Be comfortable. That's what Jesus did. And finally, here's what the, the point I want to give to you and drive this home is this here. Be spiritual with God and then be practical with them. Don't get that mixed up. Don't be spiritual with them and then try to pray and be practical with God. I'll explain that. But here's what Jesus did. He, it says in verse 19, he took the five loaves and two fish and looked up toward heaven. He blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of leftovers. What I want you to understand is this. Jesus was spiritual with God. He looked to heaven with the bread, but he was practical to the people around him. When somebody's going through a crisis, don't try to be spiritual with them. Please hear me. Please hear me. Especially you guys that know the Bible. They don't need Bible verses. Yes, they do. The Word of God. Just, just list, trust me. They need someone who will sit with them, who will be present, who will be comfortable, and who will pray for them. You can pray with them, yes. But you be spiritual with God. Don't try to be spiritual with them right then because they're hurting. You imagine if Jesus was like, I know you're hungry, but you should hunger and thirst after righteousness. The Lord will fill you one day. But I mean, can you make him teach? He didn't teach him. He didn't get spiritual with them. He got spiritual with God. So God blessed this to help them. And then, then he got really practical with them and met their need. And he helped them. The same thing is that we need to do with our friends when they're going through something. Pray for them and then be practical with them. I had a friend who had, a, had an anxiety attack, a panic attack. I'd never seen one before. This was a long time ago. This guy was curled up in a ball, crying, shaking. Never, I mean, guys, it, I didn't know what to do. He'd not eaten in days. He was extremely depressed. He was shaking in, in, a, in a ball. And number one, here's what I did. I prayed for him. I got him up. I said, we're going to go eat some Mexican food. We're going to go eat, then we'll come back, and we're going to take a nap. That was the game plan, and it helped. I didn't say, the Lord says to you, and all the Bible says, and all of you just, you're more than a conqueror in Christ. None of that mattered at that moment. I was present. I was comfortable with him being uncomfortable, in a very uncomfortable situation. And then I was spiritual with God and practical with him. You know, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is eat and go take a nap. Y'all just say amen to that. Yeah, come on, y'all ain't clapped all day, and I'm going to say that. I'm talking about God using your pain. Y'all like, I'm talking about go eat and sleep. You're like, yeah, woohoo, that's right. This guy's. But I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. Even when Elijah was in his greatest point of depression and wanted to die, what was God's game plan for him? God sent angels to him, not to minister to him, to make him some food. <laughs> Made him angel food. <laughs> and the same way, and they said, take a nap, rest. 
So when somebody's going through something, know this, what God's done in your life and your heart, he's going to use you to identify with other people. You're hurting so you can help, guys. Why am I hurting? So you can help. And God will leverage it for his glory because there'll be someone going through something that you're going to sit down with and you're going to talk to them about. I am tasked in May to go to Greenville, South Carolina to talk to pastors. And I'm given the topic that I'm supposed to speak on, and it's on burnout in ministry and how to avoid it. Why? Because I burned out in ministry and I didn't avoid it. Not because I'm an expert, it's because I'm someone who failed. God wants to use you in your failures and everything that's happened in your life to minister to other people. If you will, every day, keep your head on a swivel, God will use you in that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you never waste pain, that you use it for your glory, you use it for your purposes. And so I pray right now, Lord, that you would help us, that when we're hurting, we wouldn't hurt others, God. But when we're hurting, we can help others, Lord. I pray, Father, that we would take Christ's example and not, our, not the cues of culture. That when we're hurting, when we're going through things, and we want to be alone and isolate, that we would, again, turn to have compassion upon people. Fill us with that compassion only Christ can feel, Lord, through the Holy Spirit. Help us to have that, Lord. And God, we ask as opportunities arise with people around us that we would understand you're going to use our pain and our hurt and our disappointments to be able to identify and help others, Lord. God, I pray in those times that you would help us to be incarnational as you were and are for us. And as we're praying today, church, maybe your next step is saying, God, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to be used by you, but I don't even follow you fully. And so today, if that's you and you're saying, I want to follow Jesus, I want to walk with Jesus, I want my life to change today, if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer after me. It's a confession of faith to be saved. So you pray this. You say, God, I admit I cannot save myself. I admit my good works are not good enough. But I believe that Jesus is Lord. Today I make Jesus my Lord. I surrender and I submit. And I believe that he died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. And today I receive full forgiveness of sins. Remind me, Lord, that you never waste pain and you will always use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.